today on the Waking Up to Money podcast. We are starting with something a little bit controversial, um, kind of saying how you're pricing your projects and how you're doing it wrong. Um, And really, it's this idea that, uh, or this perception that I have, and I remember this uh, from my agency days where we were pricing our projects purely by giving a shopping list of uh, time. Essentially, we were packaging our hourly rates into a project. Uh, And as Ben says on this episode, we were essentially just putting an upper limit to the amount of time that we were going to spend on a project. Uh, And that is helpful for a client because they know exactly how much they're going to spend. It's helpful for us because we kind of think we know how much time we're going to spend on a project. Uh, and it helps us potentially manage and get a hold of our profitability. But does it really help uh, create the outcomes we want to create? Uh, particularly when we are doing work that might have a level of uncertainty in there, or we're trying to create outcomes that are challenging to make and isn't a case of just rinse and repeat and do the same thing again and again. So in some situations, project-based pricing is very, very useful um, from a real pure pragmatic point of view, but it doesn't mean it's the best way. And um, next week we'll be talking about value-based pricing and how to do that. But this week, we're just going to be exploring this idea of like, yeah, putting prices on our projects. Enjoy. It's empty. Evil. (laughs) I want. I I need a coffee. I need stimulants. Um, It's been such a rush this morning that I haven't even said to Ben, "How are you, Ben?" Ah, thanks, Carlos. I'm well, thanks. How are you? (laughs) Well, you know how I am. I've just been (laughs) ranting on about how how challenging my morning's been. Um, uh, how are you arriving? What's your morning been? That's like, you know, you know all about mine and I might share with the viewers later. <laughs> My morning, it's been good actually. So um, uh, two kids, they go to school, obviously, because that's the conventional thing for um, for kids to do. Um, but the younger one really likes going to breakfast club, which is like a kind of extra playtime in the morning. So, But he is like, he is itching to get out of the house by about 10 to 8. So he's kind of, gone and the slightly older one had a football thing or something so they were actually out of the house by five to eight so all all was quiet i actually had a little meditate after they'd gone in preparation for this which is like the opposite of your morning i think by every measure so i'm arriving pretty pretty good pretty calm pretty easy thank you oh my gosh i hate you (laughs) i thought you said i meditated I had a bit of quinoa, and I journaled. <laughs> Obviously. A bit of quinoa porridge to start the day, followed by some really intense breathing exercises. Yeah, there and, we go. And jumping in a nice bath. <laughs> Good morning, Emily. Ah, Lawrence is joining us. <laughs> yes, smug. You, you, and your kids. You want to get out of in, early so you can have the morning to yourself. Exactly. Um, yeah, I had a bit of the opposite. We it was a bit of a manic morning, just uh, trying to um, lateral flow test my my daughter in a short period of time. And for any of you who've tried to stick stuff up your own noses, 
uh, doing it to a child. No. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely don't do it to children. That's unacceptable. <laughs> oh my god! I just realised what you. Oh god! It's one of those today. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> it's going to generate quite quickly. <laughs> um, yes, don't stick stuff that <laughs> shouldn't be there. <laughs> right. <laughs> ah, pull it together. Pull it together. What are we here to do? We are here to uh, continue this uh, kind of three-episode series uh, around uh, hourly versus project versus value-based pricing. Um, going to kind of reflect on the pros and cons around each one, the practicalities and the ideal situations that we'd love to have around those uh, approaches. It's based on an article that I found on Medium uh, a couple of weeks ago about a freelancer's story, how value-based pricing was just, he was just finding it too difficult. And he was like resorting essentially back to in a sense, out, just selling his time by the hour because he found that more simple. Today, you know, last week we talked about you know the sort of the reasons why people use hourly based pricing or, or sell by the hour. Um, today we're going to talk more about okay this idea of selling projects, um, and it feels like to me a nod to value based pricing. This idea of like okay we're going to give you a price and it's going to be based on a lot of information that you're going to give us, but. From my experience, and I and this is the contentious bit that I'm going to put out there, what you're just doing is hourly-based pricing, but packaged up. And and in the end, it is just an itemized bill of time. You know, in our case, when we're a web design company, designers' time, technical architects' time, project managers' time, developers' time, add it all up, that's how much you're going to pay. So that's the opening gambit is actually when you think you're doing project-based pricing and you think it's like, value based and it's it's trying to make it um you know less about pay as you go um it's still you're selling your time and that isn't necessarily a useful way to go for yourself or your client um anything that you can add on to that ben or that springs up to you um yeah so i think one of the things when we even when we were talking around uh the pricing by the hour last week we're talking some, you know, because there's there's obviously pros and cons with with all of these things. Um, and like you know, the person the article was talking about, there was a convenience thing, which is why they were kind of defaulting to the hour. So we kind of, sort of looked at some of those kind of pros and cons. And so the same thing with um, <clears throat> with projects. You know, I think to your point, yeah, actually, in most instances, all people are really doing is charging by the hour with some sort of cap on it. And, and a cap which they bear the cost of. Essentially, uh, the client gets some sort of uh, some, gets some sort of surety, and then they they kind of assume a a kind of maximum amount that they will that they will earn. Um, and but in the same kind of spirit of of kind of pros and cons, because of course one of the things that we spoke about whenever we are selling anything or whenever we're buying anything, but more usefully, um, you know, there's always an element of kind of risk. There's always an element of uncertainty. And what we're always trying to do, you know, this is kind of true for almost kind of anything that we buy, and is 
definitely true for the things that everybody kind of listening to this would be would be selling. You know, there, there is, like I said, there's uncertainty in that. There's some ambiguity. There's a little voice somewhere in in the mind of the person on the other side of the table or the people on the other side of the table. Is this going to do the thing that I want it to do? Uh, and what we're always trying to do is, is remove that uncertainty to make things as kind of sort of sure as possible. Uh, and of course, one of the problems which we sort of spoke around with kind of pricing by the hour is it's, you know, it's, it has an, un, theoretically, it has an unknown ending. Uh, and so that adds a huge layer of uncertainty into the kind of heart and mind of your, of your, your customer, of your client when you, when you are agreeing the work that you will do. So, of course, what we want to do is we want to we want to remove uncertainty. We want to remove ambiguity. And the more that we can do that, the easier actually we make it for our customer and our client to buy. So whilst, um, you know, the, the kind of charging by kind of projects are more often than not just a, a kind of total of the time we think it's going to take. Uh, and that is just a cost, actually, that we as the supplier, we as the provider, the creator, that's a cost we bear. You know, one of the pros is um, when we present a fixed amount to a client, a project amount, a project fee, uh, that comes with lots of kind of sort of surety and certainty, which is a kind of hugely important part of what what we need to do. So even even within this, because you already well, you can already see some pros, some cons uh, that come with with adopting a kind of project pricing approach. That's awesome, um, and thank you, Neil, for this question. I'd like to get back to that. Um, around sort of value pricing and uh, and mixing that into a time-based pricing um i think you picked on a very i think what came up for me when you're talking the most important thing here is the perception of risk and uh and the uh, removing uncertainty uh and so uh, i'm the example that springs to mind is i'm getting an awning fixed on our um uh, got, um, the house here and uh, I have no idea how long it'll take um, but I say I want it fixed uh, and so the person who's doing the work a couple of people sort of quoted me um, they've given me costs based on their time and while it's given like a very clear kind of uh, removed some of the uncertainty of how this is working in terms of the numbers, it's like, but I just want to get it fixed. <laughs> and so it, is it worth two hours of someone's time, three hours of someone's time? Actually, it's nothing to do with how much time they spend on it. It's like, how much is it worth for me to get this awning fixed? And like uh, the awning protects the, the, show, the, the patio from uh, the sun in the summer. I was going to get a big umbrella. Those things cost like 500, 600 quid if you want a really nice one. And then if you want to get it fixed, it costs more. So it's like, okay, I already anchored my mind in terms of how much this is going to cost. The reason for this kind of like uh, random uh, narrative is like, on one hand, I could say, all right, I just want two hours of your time. Give me two hours of your time and do what you can in that. I don't want that. <laughs> I want it fixed. <laughs> I don't want two hours of someone's time and then nothing it was still at the same space. So that's what springs to mind in terms of one hand, we're granting a, a level of clarity in terms of, oh, this is how much you're paying for. But I think uh, maybe as customers and as clients even, we're hiding from the fact of all we want is to know it's going to get done. Mm -hmm. and what's important to us is how much can we, are we willing to pay in order for that to get done? <clears throat> mm -hmm. Yeah. 
and then that that kind of that sort of starts to point to the the other things so taking the awning example further um <clears throat> the thing that <clears throat> the thing that happens you know they may say it takes some time but essentially what you're then doing is you're comparing kind of total amounts that person says 60 pounds that person says 90 pounds that person says 300 pounds so we're not actually then looking at how much sort of time it takes anywhere we're just looking at the amount so it's still it still is then comparable to other people and you buying the service kind of feel like you need to compare it because you have no idea should this cost 60 pounds should it cost 300 pounds i have no no idea and so the same thing kind of happens then when we do kind of put a fixed price on it we're still kind of we're still kind of asking the client asking our customer to go compare us to somebody else which of course we don't really want to do and the kind of interesting thing uh, <laughs> which might be a kind of leap the kind of relatively interesting thing in the context of the conversation is um you know i you know there will be a whole load of criteria which kind of are sort of important to you like when you want it done the times of day that you might want it done, other kind of factors, essentially, which are important that you are kind of thinking about, which, you know, the client or the, the client, the, the kind of supplier, you know, it's kind of the opportunity is for them to talk to you about those things, because actually what it's worth, what it should cost, all of that is about all of that. Yes, there's a kind of comparison in your mind. Should I have a big umbrella, which costs 500 pounds or should we fix this thing, you know, which costs kind of less than that? Then there's a whole range of other kind of variables which are important to you. And the kind of the opportunity, which is, a, I guess, a little bit of a kind of plug for where we go in next week's session, the opportunity is to kind of is to explore those things. Because yeah. ultimately, if you are just defaulting to pricing by project, you know, as you acknowledge, yes, there's some certainty in it, but there's still uncertainty because I don't know if that total amount is a good total amount to pay or not. So even with a kind of fixed price thing, we are still asking our a client and customer to compare us to somebody else. And of course, as soon as we're asking them to, as soon as they compare us to someone else, there is a risk that uh, they choose to go a different route. Yeah. Well, there's, and then, and there's two things around that comparison to other people. Um, <clears throat> firstly, um, it's accepting that when you, when you just put a price out there with little else information, there's only one thing that they, your customer can do is just look at that number and look at other numbers. But the other thing I think, of, particularly for people in our community, people who have a challenge with kind of putting a price out there, putting a price on their on their services or products, just because someone doesn't choose you has nothing to do, potentially nothing to do with you. It's to do with the situation that that customer is in at the time when they want to make a decision. And maybe it's purely based on money. Maybe they really love what you do, but they just they only have 60 quid. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And that's as far as they can go. Or that's as far as they mentally can go in terms of spending something. And then on terms of the kind of what that price that you give, say this guy charging me 300 quid, what's in that in terms of value for me? Um, partly of it is like, I don't want to deal with anything. You know, I don't want to open the door for people. I don't want uh, to have to stick around for someone who might, you know, need to ask me loads of questions. I just want someone to do it, sort it out. If someone say, I can do that for you, it costs this much. Like, in a sense, nearly the, the price isn't so much of an issue anymore. It's the convenience I'm buying. Mm -hmm. And so I'm kind of like, I'm in that space where actually I value my time so much. I don't want to deal with that. I'm willing to pay for someone to take that problem away from me and not mm -hmm. to be around that. And so there's that element I, I wanted to stress here. It's like, again, it's nothing to do with the time in the end. It's, mm. it's something else that I'm buying other than the solution 
and the and the amount of time someone spends on it. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> One of the things you were saying in there was about um, whether whether the client or the customer does choose you or not. Uh, and, you know, kind of pointed to that, that actually there are, you know, there will be so many kind of factors which are at play uh, and always kind of always useful just to remind everybody that when they are choosing, it's not about you. You know, if they're not making a value judgment on you and whether I kind of like you or don't like you, they are making a kind of judgment based on a whole load of factors that either we do understand or we kind of don't understand, but they are really personal to the person on the other side of the table. Uh, and so that's always useful to remember just because I think one of the reasons people kind of trip up or really don't like the sales process is we too often think it is a value judgment on us. Uh, <clears throat> so worthwhile just to kind of remind and make that point. But it does also kind of point to the other kind of opportunity with this is that as soon as we remember, it's not about us, but it is about the, the other person, the person on the other side of the table or the people on the other side of the table, you know, that kind of invites us then to go, okay, well, let's really try and understand all of the things which are important to them, because the better I understand those things, the more likely I am able to help them kind of solve those things to kind of meet their needs. And the more likely it is, you know, the easier it will be for them to them to buy. And also, it starts to kind of point to what you know in your case with, with the thing what something is actually kind of worth and that is the sort of dance that we are talking about of course with the with the kind of pricing course and actually everything behind all of this is you know it is a dance it is an exploration it is an opportunity to understand you know what clients and customers are maybe not saying about what's important to them and how you kind of uncover those things and how you learn about those things because that really starts to point to what something is worth you know the whole thing the reason we kind of default to pricing by time the reason we default to pricing by a project is you know like we're talking about we do want to give certain we want the client or customer to feel certainty but also we're trying to get out of the uncomfortableness of kind of not knowing so everybody is just trying to find a sort of short a, a kind of short circuit but ultimately really the question is is it a short circuit which really serves your needs uh, that's I think that's a really interesting point there about the short the, the short circuit that serves your needs and and the customers' needs. I was going to say that or add on to that. For those of you who just joined us or just caught us halfway through, we're exploring this idea of project based pricing, the pros and the cons. It's part of this series of thinking about hourly based pricing, project based pricing, and ultimately value based pricing. Uh, we've been touching on this side. The core principle I think about this is trying to remove as much uncertainty as possible from the client's mind about how they understand the value of this number that you're giving them. Uh, one of the hacks, I'm going to call it a hack actually, that we're introducing with project-based pricing is like putting uh, and measuring things up in base, based on time so that they think, ah, I'm buying so many hours of this person's time, so many hours of this person's time. I now understand why you, how you came up to this number, came up to this number. And that's, that that's great for removing that uncertainty but in the end that number is still going to be something that they need to get used to <laughs> or or come to grips with um and i really wanted to get on to neil's point in a minute but i just wanted to just reflect on another bit of this story that i remember from our, my agency days with lawrence that is to do with also the nature of the product and what you're selling now we used to sell websites we then went on to building on um, essentially helping startups build their digital product. And the problem with that, it was 
inherently uncertain path, really inherently uncertain. But people wanted, or we thought people wanted a fixed price. And so we thought they want certainty based on this number. But that created so much hardship for us when it came to actually this isn't the way we need to go or actually we're not sure this is the right thing or even the customer decided actually this is not right. So then we had to spend so much time on that change control for one of a better term process of oh let's rescope let's rethink let's rebudget and that was really really painful and so on one hand i think people wanted that certainty of how much am i going to spend but actually we couldn't sell that but we were trying to and and, and I, I think at the point i'm trying to make is we didn't understand what we were selling we thought we were selling a fire finished product but actually, we were selling a process. If that makes mm. sense. Yeah, yeah. And so then that kind of raises questions around how projects are managed, because yeah, like I said, the kind of I think yeah, know, knowing what they're buying, which of course is an outcome, a change, something changing in the world. Then there is a route to how that change comes to bear for the client, and your kind of insight there that actually the route. That, it, that they kind of follow is a process. It is a journey. So it's not that there is necessarily just an absolute kind of fixed point. There is some kind of, there is there is some sort of journey to that. Uh, and so then, yeah, I guess then the, the kind of challenge is how you are addressing the kind of client's sort of um, kind of feeling of uncertainty. How do you, you know, how do you sell a journey uh, with a relatively unknown outcome when what everybody wants is certainty? That's yeah. then the the kind of the task, the art. Yeah, and that's where I think project-based pricing, you've got to really consider if you're when you're pricing based on a project, what that means and whether that's the best way to sell what you do. For instance, if, if someone, the way I look at it, you know, one of the reasons we try and create budgets is so that we can predict for ourselves profitability. Is this job worth doing ourselves? And the best way to really nail down profitability is know exactly what you're doing and how long it's going to take you. And so whether if you're making something again and again, you know, if you're building a set of houses and, and, and there's nothing that's really going to change much with that house, you've got real clear idea of what it takes to make that happen. Then I think selling, you know, selling based on a project approach can work, though arguably next week we'll talk about value. <laughs> but ultimately, you know what it is. It's repeatable. It's, and then it's just a case of you being able to explain that number to your customer. And one way is you could do the project-based pricing and it, it kind of helps them come to terms with how much they're spending without it suddenly being, oh my God, um, uh, it's not finished yet. You know, we're going to overrun. We need to overspend and stuff like that. So that's what I was trying to get to in terms of the, there are opportunities to still use that pricing because also the industry and the customers, they understand it. I think that's part of the thing. It's like if you're trying to convert your customer into a new way of spending their money and selling them something that's uncertain, you know, that's taking a lot of time. And if you have a lot of time because you've got a big profit margin with that particular piece of work, all good. But at some point, I think you've got to factor in the cost of acquiring the customer as well as delivering the project into the whole thing. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, somebody just wants an awning. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's it. I just want, I just want an awning. No, Stop not messing that, with me. I don't want an awning. I want to sit with my uh, gin and tonic. There we go. Outside. Yeah. 
enjoying the beautiful weather without the sun beating down on my head. There we go. You yeah? want your and I want family to do that time this summer, next summer, <laughs> the summer after, you know. And wow, and the good feeling that I, you know, and see now yeah. I understand that. Yeah, how much yeah. do I pay for that? Yeah. I need someone to help me to understand how much that's worth. Mm -hmm. So anyway, bit of a tangent. We'll talk more about this next week. Um, your awning. Let us. Oh, your I shade. No, because then my little panic gets warm, and then all the little uh, little nibbles on the table get warm, and then my my sort of my family gets warm. And I'm like, no, we all want to sit in the cool. Steph, yeah, yeah, it isn't just simple solutions that get get you out of these challenges. <laughs> anyway, moving on. All right, Neil is asking. All right, can't you build in value pricing into your hourly rate? If you feel like your hourly rate doesn't reflect reflect that, then increase it. That means it might seem less competitive to clients, but it creates great tr greater transparency when pricing projects. Interesting points, and I agree with him to a certain degree. I don't know if anything jumps out at you, Ben. <clears throat> One thing I'll say before I answer Neil's question, thanks Neil's question. Uh, I think it might be something to do with the very slow processing of my brain that reading thinking and talking <laughs> all at sort of the same time oh, fucking meditation you've done in the morning again you're just too zen right now <laughs> but i appreciate it doesn't really work but what did you say this was called because it's not called a podcast or a webinar what was it's the a live uh, stream this is a, a live stream. stream so clearly it's not really possible to do a live stream if so, well, it, actually, it worked for Boris Johnson, didn't it? I could just go, excuse me. Excuse me. Hold on. Sorry. Forgive me. Sorry. Forgive me. Um, but anyway, that's not answering Neil's question. Uh, nor is that helping me think about answering Neil's question. Um, uh, let me kick it off. Um, okay. So I, I did this. I remember doing this. It's like, okay. Um, used to charge around about, I think, uh, as a freelancer, 120 quid an hour. Uh and uh, I started getting projects where um, people wouldn't pay uh, more than maybe like 100, 150 quid for a quick web dev thing. So I, I ended up increasing my rate to 250 quid an hour and saying, oh, it'll take me half an hour. And it was this way of like getting into this space of like, yeah, I, I can get paid more, but I don't have to charge that amount of money. I just now can um, essentially is anchor or just frame the value that they're willing to, or the money, the amount they're willing to pay based on, you know, the, the, the kind of the value I have in my time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, in what I think Neil is saying is like, Oh, if you value, if you really value yourself, if you're so good, basically that actually you're, you know, if someone's worth, wants 60 quids worth of uh, wants to pay 60 quid for, I don't know, creating a little javascript widget and this is my dev days and it's going to take you 10 minutes well maybe my time is worth 360 quid an hour because i can do that in 10 minutes and i could do a lot more in an hour so that's how i understand neil's things okay right well just factor in that bit and i think that's what we did anyway as an agency as a project manager you got you you, you had this rate as a junior developer you had this rate as a junior designer blah 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 and you kind of had mm. this kind of uh, shopping list 
of of prices, which I didn't, I don't think really helped the client in the end. Mm. It's just like, oh my god, all these numbers. Yeah, um, but yeah, and so he's like, he's kind of factor in this uh, perception of value, but still structure it in some kind of hourly rate. Yeah, <clears throat> and so uh, now, thank you for that because that gave me a chance to think about what Neil said. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I guess there's a couple of things in what you're sort of saying, saying in there, Neil. So there is, there, and as same as you said, Carlos, I I agree to 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 a point because value. The thing with value is value is subjective. You know what the value of something is is a subjective thing. What I think is valuable, what Carlos, you know, thinks is valuable with his awning is different to what I might think is valuable with my awning or versions thereof. So value is a subjective thing. Uh, and it's not for us to say. But I think what is kind of kind of implicit in what you're saying, Neil, is that, of course, there is also scope for kind of quite a lot of variation on uh, on what the kind of hourly rates are. And I was kind of reminded of two things, actually. One was conversation that uh, Carlos we had with uh with David uh David McAndrew if I remember his name correctly no McQueen oh, David, uh... <laughs> David McAndrew <laughs> David McQueen David McQueen yes sorry sorry David, David um, golfer. and so he you know he was sort of talking about uh, early on when he was giving his talk he was, so a lot of his work is about kind of giving this talk speaking at conferences and he was charging an amount for doing those things and uh through for a various kind of number of reasons he kind of recognized that he could charge more he needed to charge more to meet his needs and various other things so he started to kind of significantly increase what he was uh, what he was charging and he kind of recognized that if he was going to do that he just you know the, the measure was not obviously not i'm now going to talk for longer if i'm you know charging twice as much i'm not all of a sudden now talking for longer but that the value of my talk needs to increase and so then it kind of it begs the question well what how does the value of my talk increase what are the measures which need to change what are the things that need to change for the value of it to change. And there's kind of a few things like maybe the, the audiences that he's speaking to, uh, kind of specific people that he's speaking to. But there is also a kind of self-perception thing there. You know, what is what? how do I kind of judge and feel about my own value? And I think there is a real tendency for people to kind of, if you kind of ask them how they kind of judge or feel about their own value, that they would kind of talk themselves down. And so there is there is a, a kind of to your word from earlier in the in the session, Carlos. There is a bit of a hack actually that actually as soon as we do start to charge more, because part of what Neil's talking about is charging more. Actually, there is a benefit in that that it does affect how we feel about our own work. So it is an important thing to do. And the the other thing I was kind of reminded of was um, something I've sort of spoken about on here before. There was someone who used to work for me in in my last uh, business, design business, and he uh, had a, he works freelance um, these days. And <clears throat> I was talking to him. I, I know obviously how much he charges, and um, but there's there's another another guy who we know who they so these guys they're the same age. They went to the so they were both at the kind of Royal College of Art at the same time, so same qualifications. They've worked for the same amount of time. One person, his rate is is ten times the amount of the other person. And so, in a sense, you know what he, you what you might say to your point, Neil. What he's done is that he has built value into the price. And of course, you know, in a sense, he has. But what he's kind of done is that really he's just charging much more. He's much more kind of confident about it. He understands that then there's only certain people who can buy that thing. So he's just, you know, it kind of breeds a confidence. It talks to a confidence. 
and it talks to being able to kind of offer your thing to certain people. Is it pricing by value? Less so because you're not, you know, value is a subjective thing and value kind of changes on a case-by-case basis. But so I guess that's a very long-winded way of saying, yes, Neil, there's definitely kind of sort of truth in that. Uh, but I think what we'll sort of talk a little bit about next week are the specifics of value, whereas what you're talking about is kind of confidently pricing what you're worth. Yeah. And I think just to, on that, the pricing terms of value, yeah, I agree, Neil, if, if you're going to work with that client once and you're going to set a, put a number of, you know, give them a, a set of uh, a price based on these uh, these rates based on your own value, you know, what you think you, you're worth rather than just what a market says you're worth. That makes sense. But then if you are going to continue with that client, now they've got a number on each of your people's time, that you know, a price per hour for each people's person's time. So unless you are able to craftily or skillfully reframe that, that's what's going to anchor them. And so now they're going to think, okay, if I have that person again for another couple of hours, that's how much I'm going to pay, which might be easier. But then I think, either again, depends on the nature of the project, what kind of work you're selling. I think there is something that also can be a challenge further down the line. And there's a really interesting point as well from Neil is like, um, yeah, if you're if it's tough, you know, you need to get that client in, uh, and there, there's a challenge of like managing the client's perception. Well, managing client's perception, their perception of what they want to pay and what you're able to give, and you still want you need that client. Yes, that's a challenge. I would then refer you to Tad Hargrave's uh, Friday Fireside that we did on our, ha- our Happy Startup School um, Crowdcast channel, where he talks about uh, marketing because ultimately, you know, all this stuff we're talking about selling. You know, this should be just helping people just make a decision of how they're going to engage with us and how much they're going to spend with us. If you're doing your marketing well, you will then have the right people come to you with the right perception of your value and why they want to work with you. And so that's where I think as much as I believe and I'm really loving what I'm doing with men, this is just one side of the coin. Yeah. And and there's so much more around marketing stuff that I think is also important. Um Dizzy was talking about choices. Uh, maybe we can discuss that a bit more on the next one. Um, is there something easy that we can answer here? I'm just going to check what we have here with Dizzy. Um, is it best to offer just a couple uh, of options as too much choice can be paralyzing and somehow two options are easy to choose between from between for a client? So it's just idea of how many options is a good number of options. Um <clears throat> Now, so yeah, so obviously Dizzy is obviously an expert, qualified pricing practitioner, having done the course. So Dizzy knows that uh, three is good because you definitely need choice because if you don't give them a choice, your customer or client will go somewhere else. If you give two two choices, the customer or client will generally just choose the one which they feel is the best one for them. If you give them three choices they more often than not, or half the time, will go for the middle one. So it just means that you have a little bit more control, uh, theoretically, over the journey. Yeah. Um, I think on that, being such a ninja pricing person, Dizzy, um, I would say it isn't about how many options necessarily. It's how easy it is for the customer to understand the options. Because you can have two options, but if they don't make sense, there's no way of saying, oh, I pay this for this or I pay for that for that. It 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 still isn't useful. And you could have 10 options, but they all make sense. I know with, I can't remember, there's a CRM system and I forget the name of it, 
but essentially the options that they would provide is like if you want this feature you pay for that feature if you want that fe if you want those four features pay for that and there was a sense of like oh i just want to have a, a database of customers i want to be able to do email and i want to be able to respond by sms and i pay for those three and so there's a i believe there was a, a sense of empowerment and and choice in multiple features but i understood how i was going to choose and so that helped me dictate oh that's why i want to spend 200 pounds a month rather than 2000 pounds a month which was the full fat 10 feature thing so um yeah i think for someone like dizzy or any of you who's, who's a bit more involved in the pricing or been playing around with pricing more i think there's much more there to play with in terms of story and and getting people to understand empower them to make good decisions for themselves rather than hacking them into making, oh, I'll go for the middle wine because I know that's going to be better than the cheap plonk or the really expensive, whatever it is, Merlot. M middle wine. That sounds... Middle wine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, yeah, I like... Well, I think I, I, was, I was very passionate about that because I think one of the things I'm really conscious of is I don't want to do pricing as a way to con our customers into buying stuff. Uh, this is what we're trying to do is think about pricing with the way I'm thinking for myself, pricing to help me buy more powerfully, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, not to regret spending a lot of money, like a 30 quid for a gin and tonic while I was on the beach. I saw an amusing view. That's fine. I'm not going to get guilty about it. But at the same time, then us to think about, okay, how can we make our clients never regret paying however much money they want to pay with us? Nice. Rather than feel like, Ooh, oh my God, how can I, how can I, tease another 500 pounds mm -hmm. out of someone by changing the options here <laughs> i don't think that's sustainable <sighs> awesome Hasht hashtag never regrets hashtag no regrets <laughs> no pricing regrets <laughs> yeah, i don't think that's going to catch on babe. <laughs> no uh, anyway any of you out there who listen to this who are much better at marketing than us please get in touch we need your help <laughs> <laughs> on that note thank you very much ben um i think I th oh we went over time again damn Ugh, damn, damn and our consistency well we'll try again next time we'll keep it tight but you know it's really nice thank you neil thank you dizzy thank you everyone else for joining us uh listening to us this morning i hope this was useful if it was please um subscribe to the youtube channel which is a happy dot link forward slash money tube um or you can follow us on crowdcast if you want to join us and get alerted of the regular live streams that we're going to be doing um and of course you click on uh, learn about more about pricing the happy way and sign up to the newsletter and that's another way of just getting alerted of not only when these are going live but of all the recordings that we do and and any kind of musings and witterings that we decide to put into a newsletter so until then uh thank you neil i'm, I'm glad that we made you laugh at least if not educate you a little bit <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I didn't learn anything, but it was mildly funny. Yes. Edutainment, <laughs> as they call it. Actually, not even edu, just <laughs> just tainment. Tainted. <laughs> He's tainted for the day. Oh, poor Neil. All right. Take care. See you, Ben. Bye bye. Thank everyone. you. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to our Waking Up to Money podcast. If you are curious about learning more about pricing happy, then go to our website, happypricing.co, where you can sign up to our newsletter, 
and receive alerts about when the new episodes are coming up and any other happy pricing tips that we put out. You can also go from there to our YouTube channel where you can watch all of our archives of live happy pricing webinars. And if you want to go a step further, you can sign up to our happy pricing course, um, which will be launching in autumn 2021. So go to the site to pre-register or contact myself or Ben. Um, You can get me on carlos at happystartups.co and you can get Ben on ben at 10percentbetter.co. Looking forward to hearing from you.